0: Before we start the podcast today, I want to encourage you to go to iTunes or Google Play immediately after listening to this. And would you please leave a five-star review for Before You Quit podcast? This will help greatly in getting more exposure for the podcasts. Uh, So if you would do that, I really appreciate it. Thank you and enjoy today's interview.
1: The irony is I'm more confident in God and His Word than I've ever been. I think I'm less confident in my ability by my own charisma or my own um, my own ability to communicate with people. I can't change a heart. Mm-hmm. Only Jesus can do that. Yeah. Uh,
0: their heart was to love, to shepherd, and to care. But then the reaction they're getting back is, you're mean, you're a bully. Yeah. And, and that can be good. That can create a, a new phase of conflict. So when conflict begins to take shape in the pastor's heart, um, it disorients him. I was apologizing for things
1: that I hadn't done. Wrong yeah, before. yeah. And and that's where this bad cycle got in is that I was I was figuring out if, if, if I would only I could atone for everybody else's anger if I would only be the sacrificial lamb of saying I will be you know if I could only be different if I could only be a different kind of pastor then our church would grow and people would be happy.
0: Yeah. And God uses His conflict to reveal issues within my own heart, and He's using me and my reaction to that to hopefully address the issues that that are in His heart. Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard, and man, does it get hard sometimes. My name is Mitch Schultz. I'm the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry, and I'm your host. Okay, a warning. Today, we're going to be talking about the proverbial elephant in the room, and that is what to do when there is conflict in the church, or even conflict in your own life. I think this will apply generally across the board. Uh, where there is conflict. Is it possible to actually thrive through conflict? Can you become stronger? What do you do when you're in a church and there's ongoing conflict? If you're a pastor, how do you handle this? What do you do? Uh, Perhaps one of the saddest things that a pastor ever witnesses in a church is ongoing conflict in his congregation. I've seen it, and I talked to many others who experienced this as well. Uh, conflict in the church is something that drives people away from the church. Sadly, it also uh, gives a perception of God, and people's perception of God is tied to what they see happening in the church, and uh, it's a bad witness. Uh, I remember someone coming to me once in a church, and his words broke my heart. He said, Pastor, I can no longer attend here with all this tension. And it, it broke my heart, and it led me to pray for renewal and work even harder for unity. Uh, I'm going to be talking today to Pastor Eric Anderson, who is open, very candid about how he managed through and survived conflict. And Eric speaks about the value of conflict, uh, the nature of it, uh, also how it made him a better shepherd to a hurting group of people. I mean, I mean, think about this. Uh, The reason really, and this is probably a broad statement that conflict happens in the church is because it is made up of people who are uh, broken, who bring their histories with them, and they manifest themselves in this uh, spiritually sensitive environment. But it's a reality, and we're going to be talking about that today. Eric lives deep in the cold flatlands of Minnesota. At least it is pretty cold now as we come into winter. He pastors Life Spring Church. It's a reformed church belonging to Uh, Acronym is FIRE, the Fellowship of Independent Reformed Evangelicals. Uh, He's married to Miriam. They've been married for 11 years, and both he and Miriam have eight children, uh, five girls and three boys, ranging from 19 years to one-year-old. You're going to be blessed listening to this wonderful story of how to thrive where there is conflict. (music) Okay, I am uh, talking to Eric Anderson through Zoom conference call. Eric, how are you doing today? I am
1: I am fine, Mitch. Just Good. fine. <laughs> awesome.
0: And you are up in, uh, in Minnesota.
1: It is. It's sunny out. It's probably a balmy 45 degrees on October 25th.
0: There's so. no one down in the south that's going to be jealous of you right no, now, I can tell no, you.
1: no. <laughs> no, I was freezing when I woke up this morning, a little freezing, and uh, it's nice and sunny now, not a lot of wind.
0: So. Yeah, well, we lived in Wisconsin, and we remember what it starts to feel like now. <laughs> um, if you watched the World Series last night, you probably saw that in Los Angeles, it was 104 degrees during the game of the evening.
1: Well, so, it was uh, not 104 here. Yeah, I, do, that's, I,
0: yeah, I did go yeah. in
1: my sauna last night, and we had it.
0: Well above one hundred. That was a, There you go. That was that yeah, was one hundred four. That's your sauna temperature, not the air. That's right.
1: That's hey right.
0: Eric, we, we have an interesting relationship in that uh, we actually know each other quite well, but we've never met. And uh, what was the context of that? And explain as you do that. Explain a little bit about your ministry, your family. Sure. We
1: um, uh, you and I met about I think it's three years ago. I was thinking about this, but it was during. Uh, In between two major battles at our church that were all interrelated, there was kind of a little bit of a calm in between the storms. And um, I was uh, totally worn out and um, Mm. just not, you know, we're in rural Minnesota, so and I've got eight children, a wife, and uh, there's really not a lot of opportunities to, to get away or, you know, to decompress. And so one of our mutual friends, Dan Werfman, uh, who was actually the planting, uh, not the planting pastor of our church, but the one who called me here uh, from the, the church. He was a pastor of at the mm-hmm. time. He met you at some, either it through IPM ministries or some prayer event.
0: Yeah, he was actually referred to me by someone else. He's another guy I never met, but we, we talked oh, about met a year. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> so Dan and you and his wife, got to know you well. And he said, he told Miriam and I, you need to meet Mitch. And uh, he counsels pastors via Skype. Um, specifically, in your type of situation, and so you and I connected first, and then my wife and I and you, and it's been a fairly regular, ongoing relationship. The last
0: yeah, minute. it's been it's been good. And this this yeah. this probably sounds like we're doing an endorsement for my ministry, but it's probably <laughs> it's probably good to remind people that uh, uh, you know ministry, particularly for pastors, are going through what we're going to be talking about today, and and that is conflict within the church. It's it's good for pastors to know that there are people that. Are uh, unconnected to their environment that they can go to and talk with, so maybe that it, it is good maybe that we we 're talking about uh, how we did connect in, in the context yeah. of uh, of my ministry through coaching and and providing support and counsel well let's uh, let 's go ahead and launch into this conversation here um, the The idea today is to talk about conflict and relationships, and those who have been listening to my podcast know that you know primarily we 're we're about providing courage and perspective to people in ministry. But uh, I argue, and this was one of the first podcasts I did, that everyone who's a follower of Jesus uh, is in ministry. So we don't want this just to be for people in ministry. We want these, this to be for people who are committed to serving Jesus, to the, devoted to the Great Commission, and committed to the gospel. So everybody experiences conflict. And particularly when you're engaged in the gospel, um, you will experience conflict and, and oftentimes it's not from the world or from unbelievers. It's from people that are meant to serve with you. So we want to talk right. about how that can become actually a, a platform for growth, personal growth, as well as as renewal. Uh, start by how your, you know, your, your church started. It was a daughter church. Um, it was exciting and encouraging at first and you had full support of the mother church. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that started and then let's launch into maybe some of the unforeseen challenges that you experienced sure. early on.
1: Sure. I was called over into this area. We're a small town, uh, rural Minnesota mining, old mining town um, uh, in the Northwoods, town of about 4,000. We were called here. I was called here I was a youth pastor at a, a church in the same denomination we were in um, for seven years. And the lead pastor of our plant of our planting church at the time, Dan Worthman, had come to me, approached me. Him and I got to know each other, um, same denomination, and he asked me if I would be the founding pastor of a new plant that they wanted to do, a mission church that they wanted mm-hmm. to do in Crosby. Um, and so, eight years ago, we came over here. Uh, it was through a series of events that uh, the Lord confirmed his calling. We came over here. Um, we started. Um, uh, I think we started well and as, as well as we can. Um, we're not uh, – um, uh, my theology hasn't changed in the sense of, you know, we were, we didn't come in big guns blazing. We came in trying to be a word-based ministry, preach the word, um, not trying to be the next best thing in town, but just be faithful to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Good. I love that. Yeah, and so um,
0: – You mean you didn't, that, wear, you didn't wear skinny jeans and on top? Uh,
1: yeah, no, top, no. no we no, yeah, never, never will actually ever do that, Mitch. So, um, nope, didn't do any of those things. Didn't uh, put up big banners or billboards or, you know, do uh, goofy uh, movie-based sermons or anything like that. <laughs> Be faithful to God. The movies. God in the movies with popcorn, right? Uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm not that creative, I guess. But um, we, we, um, no, our, our, our theology, our conviction was we didn't just want to start a... Um, like a good plant, or kind of some big, uh, you know, experience. We wanted to start a good church, a faithful church, in a small town. And um,
0: good. Well, I tell, um, I I tell people at this stage in my life, um, I I'm really more wanting to see people preach the word and love people. Yeah. And I mean, can we really see a church grow and start just from those two? values. Uh, I think so. I mean, of course, that doesn't take away from being sensitive to the culture yeah. around us. We're, we're getting a little bit off topic here, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but since you brought it up, I, I thought I would yeah. mention that. But yeah, keep going.
1: Well, and, and actually, I'm glad you brought it up because that is part of our conflict would be the things that I would refuse to do mm, for mm. the sake of numerical growth, because I felt I knew biblically and in my conscience that it would Uh, it would be a compromise for what God's word, you know, we, we, we had many opportunities, I think to um, start big or grow quickly, whether it was through incorporating another church split, we had a few of those going on in our area Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, just kind of be in the big, you know, kind of the big entertainment show. And yet I just, I mean, I got to answer to the Lord and knew that, yeah, that would be fine for about two years. It'd be exciting. And all the numerical things we'd have, you know, you know, I'm an old camp program guy, so I know how to draw a crowd. That's not that difficult. Um, but uh, is that what What would be the compromise there? Mm-hmm. And if people are here just for the experience and not for God and his word, and they're not growing through the normal means of grace. Um, it would, you know, we would just be another – Big event-based church. So you're
0: you're mm-hmm. suggesting that that contributed to the conflict, and, oh. and what you mean by that is, this people that started the church with you had certain expectations yeah. that were not met. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think so. And, and so you need to understand a little bit. Our, our the mother church that we came from was a church in um, in a, a, kind of a bigger community in rural Minnesota, and um, back in the '90s, they had a pastor who had embraced kind of full-on the seeker movement. You know. The, um, in all of its, you know, promises that the church would be this big, transformational uh, center of the community, and um, so they had grown. Uh, you know, he had grown the church in the '90s through all these kind of marketing and and, and church growth um, ideas um, uh, into a church from about 200 up to about 1,500, mm-hmm. and um, and so then he had. This is all, you know, they were they were kind of the big glory years for them, at least in one sense of speaking. And then he had an affair and he was out of the ministry and the new senior pastor, Dan, who's the guy who called us over. Um, he, I would say he grew the church through faithful preaching of the word back down to about 800 people. And, uh, I say wow. that not tongue in cheek, but in a real oh, that's, sense,
0: that's interesting.
1: Yeah. And so, but I would say that, that, that mother church, uh, never did, uh, and still have not um, ever really gotten past kind of the consumer mm-hmm. uh, consumer church church growth. And so when we were planted here, Dan and I were absolutely on the same page theologically, ecclesiologically, how we viewed the church. And then he he left. He left the church. He went down to Florida. And um, in his stead, the church reverted. Our mother church reverted back to kind of the seeker, you know, kind of generic evangelicalism. And um, uh, I, I, so that was part of it. So after two years in, I all of a sudden was all alone in my convictions. Hmm. And the church that had started us reverted back to the seeker movement, which is really a, a, a different trajectory altogether of,
0: than what you uh, were yeah.
1: that we're about. And so there was that, that issue. There was the other issue that we had nobody on our core team that had ever been a part of church leadership before. Though they were all kind of your big power brokers in the community. So mm-hmm. we had some wealthy uh, movers and shakers, but none of them had ever been really anything probably more than, uh, you know, a pew sitter. Maybe they had taught Sunday school, but none of them had ever been on an elder board or a deacon board or really seen church life church conflict um,
0: yeah i've i've th- that happens that, that people end up in leadership because of their clout in, yeah, uh, yeah. in the community and yeah. and people interpret that as uh, as as spiritual maturity and that they they're qualified and that that's a no doubt another contributor to to the conflict so, so you have two things here that are essentially setting up for a perfect storm yeah um yeah. A, a an expectation um, that you would be a certain way, but it became apparent to some people that you were not and then secondly, um, and I, a number of people i 've talked to about what makes for a healthy church they, they always talk about the importance of leadership that is yeah. sharing the values and and the, the biblical convictions of the of the pastor, and uh, where that 's not in place that 's a recipe for uh, for conflict. Um, okay. What, what started to happen that concerned you? Some sure. of those, and then let's sure. talk about what that, what did that conflict look like?
1: Sure. I would say it, there were several pieces. It, it, it Things were fine until I would have to tell somebody, no, hmm. uh, you know, somebody would be, you know, they'd be in the, you know, we're a church of 50 people, but they would, they would have some idea. Somebody new in the church would want to start, you know, let's say an Awana program, which I have no problem with, but a church of 50 would have a hard time running an Awana program just because of sheer numbers or, they would have some other idea. And, and some things we were able to do and a lot of things we had to say, you know, we're just not, we're not the church of a thousand. We're a church mm-hmm. of 50. We're on mission here. We're trying to be in the community, preaching the word, uh, relational, all these things. And um, But it was whenever we would have to say no to something, um, we would get either these emotional reactions or the accusations that somehow I was, I was legalistic or controlling or a cult leader. That was, that was one of my favorites one of my favorite ones. Um, Mm. I had to say no to some big event somebody wanted to do. And uh, it
0: wasn't that we were. You do look a little bit like David Koresh. You know
1: what? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, I won't ask anything further on that, but but it was interesting because I think what would happen would be, um, there would be somebody would, would go to one of our other leadership. We had kind of this general leadership board and, Um, I get, I kept getting accused of, um, you know, uh, of being controlling, um, being legalistic and, uh, um, uh, you know, I would feel like time and time again, that would be the leadership would call me together and they would say, well, so-and-so said that you, uh, weren't nice to them or you were, you know, uh, didn't listen well. And, and I would hear that out and I would say, you know, either I would say, okay, I can improve in that or, you know. I did listen to them. I just didn't agree with them. There's, there's two different things.
0: Yeah, well, that that creates. Uh, yeah. This is really common, and it it, it disorients a pastor. Yeah,
1: When, yeah.
0: when he, his intent is to love and to and to shepherd, and of course we we make mistakes uh, under pressure. Sometimes we'll uh, we're not we're, we're not always aware how we sound. We're not always conscious of the vulnerability sure. of people or how they might take things. Uh, but by and large, you know, pastors, I mean, the ones that I've known uh, are, are, I mean, they're so committed, they're people, they love people, they don't get up in the morning and say, okay, how can I hurt so and so today? And it's like, ah, here's an opportunity, I'll say something mean. So it creates conflict in their minds, there's a, there's a conflict there, they're conflicted, uh, in the sense that they, uh, their heart was to love, to shepherd and to care, but then the reaction they're getting back is, you're mean, you're a bully. Yeah. and and that can be good. that can um create a, a new phase of conflict so when conflict uh begins to take shape in the pastor's heart um it disorients him and I think people pick up on that uh, because a pastor can a pastor can sometimes not be aware that he's he's pulling back he's withdrawing and then that can create other conflicts um, but we'll we'll get to that a little bit later of how the pastor can handle it and how, what should there be the, what should be their impulse reaction to things that, like you said, you don't agree with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And some of the things were just, you know, just, I mean, there would be, you know, somebody, anybody could have an idea that they want, but there would be just something that just logistically we could never do, you know, but they had many of the people that, um, that came, came from kind of the seeker mega church and there's, they're just such different animals, not only theologically but even size wise that, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, as much as you could even try to affirm and say, that's a great idea. It's just something we can't pull off with this mm-hmm. amount of
2: people we have,
1: you know. And so, but, um, so I was, I mean, there was many times either I was called um, by our leadership team and then these, and then certain people and they would, you know, get offended or I'd have to say no. Then they go to other leaders and they would talk about it. And then I would kind of have the, you know, the kind of the hurt feeling police and prosecutor, judge and jury would yeah. come to me. and with all these demands about my personality and all the things that I had done wrong. And, you know, if, if I could only, uh, it became a new, you know, if, if I could only perform better, if I could only say things a certain way, if I could only do it, then everybody would be happy. And, um, you know, my, my theology, what I believe scripturally is, yeah, you know, we, I want to be as kind, as gentle, as, as sensitive as I can be at the same time too. I, uh, you know, another person's hurt feelings does not, necessarily constitute sin on my part. Um, but I, I became greatly conflicted on the inside in the sense of, I want people to be happy. I want to please them. Are they really right about me? Am I really this, you know, this kind of mean, what
0: what would you do when they were
1: right? Uh, well, you know, I tried to, I tried to own as many things as you can. Mm -hmm. Even the tone. Yeah, I could see how you would say that. Or, or even boy, um, I see what you're saying. Maybe we could have chosen a better venue for conversing about this. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. usually it would be something after church when I'm talking to somebody else. You know, I mean that whole thing. Yeah. I could at least say, hey, I should have I should have said time out. We could have chosen a different venue. So yeah. we should find something. But this went on so long that eventually I was I was apologizing for things that I hadn't done wrong.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and that's where this bad cycle got in, is that I was. I was figuring out if, if, if I would only, I could atone for everybody else's anger if I would only be the sacrificial lamb of saying, oh, I, I I will be, you know, if I could only be different, if I could only be a different type of pastor, then our church would grow then people would be happy with me. Yeah. You know, it's really all about me. And so there was definitely, I mean, some real real battles of Satan working on my own soul and some of those attacks of, and, and you know, frankly, it showed in me a lot of immaturity in the sense that I didn't have enough confidence in the Lord, that I was a, you know, broken vessel. Mm, and, and yet mm. there was, there was times I certainly look back to say, I, I probably was harsh without even realizing it, but it was probably more fear in me knowing that this person was against me anyway. And like, Oh, if I can only say the no in a certain way. And then that, you know, and I'm sure it came across really latency.
0: Yeah. I might as well be the way they think that I am. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 So, well, you know, it, uh, let me go back to something you shared sure. earlier. This, this will be, uh, an encouragement, maybe a challenge to some people, whether they're a pastor or, or uh, really love their pastor and committed to support them. Uh, I, I had a rule towards the I think the middle of my last ministry, where if someone wanted to have a, a more serious conversation with me about something, and they would bring it up during or after church when everybody's in the in the lobby, uh, I would say to them, "Hey, can you call me tomorrow, or I'll call you tomorrow, and let's have this conversation." Uh, another time, and and that you were you were suggesting that too, um, yeah, and 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 the whole the whole idea of of um, being misunderstood, you know, your heart is is to love and, and show compassion, and people take it wrong. Um, I remember one time I was really genuinely concerned about this guy. He'd not been coming to church once, and he dropped by the church on an afternoon, and uh, out of just deep deep love and concern for him, I, I said to him. Uh, Scott, and that, not that was his, wasn't his name. Um, I don't want someone. I don't want someone to go back through our directory and look at all the Scots to try to figure out who it was. It wasn't Scott. And I said to him, I said, Scott, I don't care if you go to church or not. Uh, I, all I care about is your relationship with Jesus. Well, a couple of days later, rumor was going around that I had told Scott that I don't care if he comes to church, and that was.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, like- that's right.
2: That's
0: right, so we have to live with that, and uh, but it does it does point too to the vulnerability of of other people and, and pastors need to be sensitive when they hear something critical. Maybe the first impulse needs to be uh, you know what, let me let me assume first that okay, if there is an area I need to grow, I need to hear this, fine, but I can also, especially if you know the person, uh, write it off to the fact that they're struggling and they're hurting, and that deepens your burden for them and and what what you see. That hurts you could be a signal that they're in pain, and it lets you yeah. pastor better. Uh, but yeah, we got to get past the feeling offended and conflicted, and and still menace. That's tough. That that's yeah. a hard place to be. Uh, how how did this start affecting your preaching?
1: Um, I would say that I, I definitely. Um, I was thinking about this earlier when you gave me this question, and in, in, in some ways, no, because we already a commitment of expository verse by verse preaching which I'm so thankful for because it kept me from doing the bully pulpit thing. (laughs) You know, right? I mean, it would just be, okay, we're in, uh, wherever we were in 1 Corinthians or or 1 Peter, or I guess I was in Luke during, for three years during the most of this, and it would just be, Mm -hmm. okay, next next sermon up, you know? Good, good. So kept you disciplined and focused. I am so thankful now for that commitment to verse-by-verse consecutive exposition because that Mm -hmm. protected me from pontificating. That being said, I think this whole situation revealed to me, you know, really peeling away layers of my own pride. And pride was working itself out and really in fear of men. And I know that there were, I'm sure if I look back or I, I know I was identified times, I was afraid and I could see certain people. Uh, in, in my preparation, you know, what do I need to do to uh-huh. kind of get to them, you know, or maybe an extra little phrase or something. Yeah.
0: Like so that. even in the discipline of maintaining with a text, oh, yeah. you, you would have to fight that impulse. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 And I, I still do. I mean, I, I don't know how you get away from that other than acknowledging it. But I don't I, I think I'm thankful that God had already given me. Um, I, th- I think I'd already grown theologically in a conviction on what the church is supposed to be and, and preaching. This is all like, this is all being tested, though. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, so eventually, some of the you know the real antagonists who they started they didn't attack my preaching for a long time, but near the end of this long period of about five years of conflict, that's when they finally started attacking the preaching. And you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, you're over everybody's head. You're you know, you're preaching to the college age, not the you know, not mm-hmm. the high kid. You know, kind of some of those things.
2: Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. you
1: know, um, mm-hmm. I just uh, looking back, I don't know whether there was truth to that or not. I can just yeah. say I mean, week by week. Because what I would do then is uh, I would challenge people if they would approach, okay, let's sit down and talk about that. Are you willing to help me, you know, give me some constructive criticism on that? Because I'm willing to hear it. Uh, Most people weren't. All they wanted to do was just kind of, you know, get an emotional, you know, uh, you know, they just wanted to use me as their kind of emotional whipping boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yet I always tried to open myself up for that. Okay, I'm willing to hear it. Uh, And then my... Uh, you know, if people were willing to, I would. Most people weren't. I think they, yeah. they probably were under conviction themselves. Mm-hmm. So.
0: You know, yeah. no pastor goes into ministry expecting this, planning for it. Yet it seems to be the norm. Um, how how did this cause you to maybe doubt your call, uh, or how did it how did it maybe redirect it? Um, I think I so during this whole
1: time I was totally alone in our church um I was totally alone from our mother church they were uh even our denomination we were in they came up a few times and and they were um they weren't helpful at all it was it it, it didn't make it helpful it was actually worse it was all about what can you do Eric to appease you know basically to appease people if you would only be a different type of person then everybody would be happy uh and I think they've got a different view of or sin.
0: compromise and yeah, yeah
1: yeah 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 yeah. And I think I think I saw at a deep level uh, the desire to grow far outweighed the discernment of what was really going
2: on. Mm.
1: You know, and no one even told me that. Well, if so and so leaves the church, how would you operate? Well, you know, um,
0: and yeah, do you really want to lose that guy that's bringing all that, the that's money? That's
1: right. Yeah, wow. that's right. Yeah, and it was actually said to me about one individual. Well, it's interesting, God in his mercy, surrounded me with several other local pastors and then yourself and other guys that I used to meet with a lot. And those guys did the opposite. They just encouraged me. Eric, this is actually a normal part of ministry. Wow, wow. This is actually – and I think what it did for me is, as time went on, I started to realize, you know, 1 Peter, there, there, there's, I would say, maybe three types of conflict. There's, you know, First Peter, paraphrasing, you know, if you're going to suffer, don't suffer for being a moron. You know, suffer for righteousness' sake. So, you know, there's, I can sin and, and get – beat for it. And that's my own problem. Uh, you know, then there's the con, the relational conflict. You and I just don't see eye to eye and let's see if we can come to an agreement and understanding. And there's the type of real spiritual. It mm-hmm. mm-hmm. says, no, you're actually suffering for doing the right thing. Wow. God's word is actually doing its work. You're becoming an aroma of life to life for some and death to death. for Is others. that is
0: that a good, uh, those are three questions. Maybe pastors should ask as they're going through conflict. That is this. Yeah. Is, is this just is just just personality?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they're, secondly, they're willing, yeah, yeah. Well, we could just come to an understanding, and if they're willing to do that, yeah. Great. You know, I mean that that's part of normal, part of a marriage, right? Yeah. No. Mm. Um, or is there something that I really just did wrong here, and I need to own up to? And that's yeah. why I'm suffering this. Yeah, form.
0: you've mentioned that several times, and I love that because I think the first impulse is to. Uh, it's to look at yourself and say, hey, yeah. you know, it's, it's the beam in the other eye, you know, parable that, that Christ talks about is, you know, someone criticizes you, critiques you. Uh, the first thing, it takes maturity to do this and it, it takes humility is, is to start by saying, you know what, let me begin with the assumption that maybe they're right. And, yeah. and bring it to the Lord and, and your wife, <laughs> yeah. uh, she knows you well, maybe your leaders, and say, you know, this is being said about me. Am I, am I correct in this? Uh, I, it, I, I had a baffling, uh, conflicting situation where uh, for a, 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 most of my ministry, I was known for being a certain way. It was a, an asset. And then in one ministry, the criticism was, he's not that at all. Yeah. you know and i'm yeah. like wait a minute i've been hearing my whole life that i'm yeah. like this but here they're telling me and that was confusing to me that messed me up uh, yeah. I, and it and it forced me to uh to to go before the lord and this is where conflict is really refining it's sanctifying yeah. it gets to the hearts because uh, what we can control is what comes out of our heart you know the bitterness resentments. Yeah. we cannot control uh the rough edges in other people we cannot yeah. Change yes. the person who comes into your path who has a history of conflict and baggage and rejection, maybe as a child. I mean, I, I tell people somewhat jokingly that, uh, you know, I didn't, or I say this about myself, I didn't have a, a perfect life uh, until I met so and so. And then suddenly when I meet him, I've got issues. You know, I mean, they, they've, <laughs> they're two broken people that, that happen to be in the same path together. And um, and God uses His conflict to reveal issues within my own heart, and He's using me and my reaction to that to hopefully address the issues that that are in His heart. Yeah. Uh, so so I love what you're saying there, and I hope that's an encouragement to people is, yeah. is begin by saying, "Hey, uh, is there something real here? Um, if not, then you can move into it to try to resolve what is really going on."
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and Mitch, I think that that's where where the conflict started to turn was when I identified that it's not the surface issue, but I'm contributing to this by my own fear of man, meaning um, somehow if I would, you know, like I've already repeated, you know, if I would just be a different type of person, then these people would be happy. But what I, I started to realize is here we have all these meetings and I'm apologizing. And I'm starting to apologize for things that I'm not responsible for. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was other pastors and a couple books that just reminded me, the Word of God both tells me when to when to move forward and when to stop. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point where I was starting to, I think, got the Lord a certain to reveal to me that actually me continuing to apologize for everybody's feelings—that's actually not humility. That can actually be a source of pride. You know? Interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and it was interesting for me. I think that. I exacerbated our conflict by a couple times thinking, Oh, if I just met with so-and-so one more time by myself and just said it a different way. Then they would get it. Yeah. Yeah. And all it did was make it, you mm-hmm. know, it was like you know, dropping a, a, you know, a, a you know, a, a spark in a can of oil, you know? Yeah. Like it, and I realized, okay, wait a second. Scripture tells me that take two or three others. I didn't do that. Why didn't I do that? Because I was, mm-hmm. so, I so felt like I needed to, Handle this myself, and somehow I could solve it in my own power. I wasn't assessing that. Man, these are really deeply spiritual issues. These are about mm. sin and repentance and righteousness. Yeah. And, mm. and so, and the irony is that the as the word as God through other pastors through His Word started to humble me, I actually <laughs> I started to actually get a little more um, bold. You know, with some mm. of them. Uh, ironically, I wasn't no longer not as afraid as I used to be, but. Mm. Uh, a willingness to say, "Hey, you know what? I I I've come your direction. I, I can't apologize for what I do. Yeah, yeah. You
0: know, so yeah, it's a good lesson. Well, it leads yeah. the role of convicting people to the Holy Spirit. And that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, your your wife, wonderful wife Miriam, your eight children. Uh, this this had to had some had to have had some impact on the family. Uh, talk a little bit about what that looked like. Well,
1: you know, I think that. I probably was really worn out a lot you know as much as we tried to shield things from our children you know we've been trying to raise our children in the lord to discern truth from error and and our older teenage daughters especially were they were seeing things in their own eyes you know mm. and they would come to us and say you know mom and dad so and so said this and then they did something totally the opposite mm. you know and and so you start they started to see it they started to sense it and, and we we Miriam and I made a decision that we weren't going to, you know, dramatize anything for them or bring our own issues up to them. Yet, we also weren't going to uh, be dishonest when our girls would bring stuff to us, mm. you know, mm. uh, to just say, well, that's okay. You know, they just are that way. No, no, what they did was-
0: Yeah, you can't shield these things. No, from no, them no. Well, yeah, but you can have a healthy conversation with them. That's before. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah.
1: And I would say, you know, the the irony of the big picture of it is our girls, I wouldn't want them to go through some of the stuff again because, again- some of the people that cause the most damage, our girls see in the community all the time, We're mm. and mm. they still do. And so they have to deal with that. I mean, we can help them, but ultimately it's, it's forced the girls to deal with their own heart before the Lord.
0: That's good. Well, put. well Not only
1: when yeah. am I going to bring this anger to the Lord, what do I need to forgive? And what do I also need to find my confidence in the Lord to be able to say, no, what they did was wrong. They're not owning it. And yet, I I have to bring this bitterness to Jesus so that I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not becoming just a cynic towards God. Yeah,
0: when when Jesus challenged Peter, you know, how many times should I forgive someone who sinned against me? You know, seventy-seven, and in other words, perpetually. Uh, he was really saying that the the real fruit of this is is a is a growth in your own heart. You know, because when when is someone right? sins, you're forgiving them brings you deeper into the life of Jesus and a deeper understanding. In some way, we should thank God for, yeah. for conflict because it gives us an opportunity to experience what he experienced and, and to draw from his, uh, his uh, you know, death and resur- life, death, and resurrection, his example in his life. Amen. And, then of course, what he did on the cross is the basis of forgiveness.
1: Amen. And, and this gets it conflict like this gets it beyond just i know certain doctrinal truths about the christian life mm-hmm. i mean this makes it really real yeah yeah am yeah. i willing in my own heart of hearts to come to the lord with my sins but also my burdens god i can't change this person mm-hmm. I do this, but i'm afraid of this person <laughs> you know like um yeah i mean even the girl we've had to wrestle with okay When, what is forgiveness versus trusting a person again, you know, where, where are you, where's that line? And I guess it's just a tension point you hold up. Yeah. Me, me being bitter versus me not casting my pearls to Mm -hmm. that, you know, okay. Until so-and-so is willing to, I'm not going to let them keep abusing me in this. I'm not going to let them harm me. You know, so we've had to, we've had to walk through that. Yeah, You have
0: to protect.
1: That's right. That's right. You know, and,
0: so, in a in a nutshell, how has this changed you? How is it how is it changing you? Uh,
1: I I you know I mean the irony is I'm more confident in God and His Word than I've ever been. Um, mm. I think I'm less confident in my ability by my own charisma or my own um, my own ability to communicate with people. I can't change a heart. Mm-hmm. only jesus can do that yeah. um i've learned a lot of wisdom learned a lot of wisdom of when to speak and when to just say you know what if i've spoken god's word that's enough god doesn't need me to say it another way to the same person in a louder voice
0: um yeah well that's that's a really great point um hey let's um touch on again what was the the turning point uh for all of this
1: a couple things um I was, um, you know, this is about a five-year conflict with about two very intensive conflicts. Um, they, they, um, a couple of the people that caused the most problems were, were very, I would say, very passive-aggressive in the sense of they would never do anything that would be like church disciplinarial, If I can use that word. Mm-hmm. But it was just, they, it was like they were constantly pushing buttons uh, without, you know, and then kind of bringing the hands back. So uh, they were never at fault, but there was just there was just a ton of, of manipulation and things like that. You know, a couple of things, I read the book Antagonists in the Church, which is uh, by Kenneth Houck, which is extremely helpful, um, not only to help me see our situation for what it was, but also not to feel guilty, a uh, false sense of guilt over um, my discernment. Um, a uh, Book by the Puritan John Flavel called "Keeping the Heart," uh, a Presbyterian pastor gave to me, which is extremely helpful, just about keeping my heart soft to the Lord. Um, and then I think just through some other brothers, I, I God, I just God brought alongside just a group of local pastors who fear the Lord. And um, one of the things I just learned from them was, you know, I needed to trust some, my own spiritual discernment. You know that if it, you know if you get that sense, you know, if you've been in the word and, and, and grown enough, if you sense something's wrong, you know, I mean, listen to that. Listen to your conscience. Mm-hmm. And um, um, a couple of things happened that really changed it was I came away from a forced leave of absence that, that some of these guys forced me on. And I think instead of coming back and groveling, um, I finally realized, you know, God, whatever happens here, I can only own the things that I've done wrong. Mm-hmm. I can't own what I've done right. I mean, I just have to bring that to the Lord. And so I actually quit apologizing so much. I mean, I I wasn't cruel about it, but I just, I would just learn to listen. And if they, somebody would blow up at me, I didn't need to explain myself. And, um, but then I also, I wrote, I was so desperate that I actually wrote to our leadership, a belief statement, a system of, of belief, what I believe about conflict. It was like a 15 point biblical. And I, and I told the guys, listen, over the last four or five years, you have wanted me to apologize for things. Sometimes I have, and now sometimes I can't. Now I wanted to show you from Scripture what I believe, and so thing, you know, just my belief statement about people and what causes conflict. And I said, you don't have to agree to this, but this is what I believe. And so hopefully this will help you understand. There's some things in these these situations I can't own, I won't own. Mm. It wouldn't be right for me to own. Um, and that actually made a big difference because I think. Uh, people couldn't argue with scripture anymore. Yeah. And um, there was a certain amount, too, of I was more confident in God and his word than ever. Mm. And I was unwilling. And so those things changed. Um, uh, those are some of the turning points. I mean, some of it was just over time. I just had to outlast some people. And um,
0: yeah, eventually.
1: A couple of the guys stirred up division enough that other people in the church saw it. And yeah. you know there's a whole you know, a whole other story to that, but
0: Yeah. Well that's a, that and there's a point where you you leave you know a good bit of it to the Lord to yeah. fight. You, yeah. know, you fight what you can. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, I think of that yeah. verse in, in Exodus, the battle is the Lord's. Uh you only need to be still. You know, when yeah. he was referring to the Egyptians uh, chasing Moses and the and the Israelites. Uh, yeah, but yeah, you, you use say- the word you've used the word confidence a couple of yeah. times. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think of the, I think of the term meekness that, you know, pastors being meek seems like a negative connotation or has a negative connotation, but it's, uh, you know, that classic definition of meekness being strength under control that you can be, but you're a shepherd. You, know, yeah. a man, you are a shepherd. You are a leader. God has placed you in there to lead spiritually and, and like a father to children. There are times where, uh, and, and not just the pastor alone, but the leaders with the pastor, uh, to react and to respond lovingly but firmly uh, against conflict. And, uh, and I, uh, this is something we haven't talked about, uh, and we'll, uh, you know, we don't have time to talk about it, but uh, uh, you know, the importance of confront- confronting conflict, uh, particularly when it's sinful. Uh, yeah. Sinful behavior needs to be addressed. If it's not, it, it, it's a cancerous tumor within the church. Um, so great. Yeah. Great. Uh, great observations there on, on turning points. Uh, what would you say in closing, Eric, to uh, a pastor who is in the throngs of conflict right now?
1: Um, I would say preach the word in season and out. Nice. Correct. Review train for time will come when men will not put up the sound doctrine. Instead mm-hmm. of their ears. You know, there is, I would say that, Although, you know, we can never providence God's providence. God has you in this. Mm -hmm. I don't know why for you, Pastor. Mm. I mean, we don't know what providence will look like until we look in the rearview mirror. Mm. Um, But I do know this is that my wife and I have talked about that. Would we we go through those five years again? Well, no and yes, Mm. because there was – I remember in the last year when things, I mean, there was a breaking point where some of the guys left the church. They finally, I thought for years there would be kind of one of those, you know, kind of um, Tom Cruise and a few good men moments of Jack Nicholson where it's, there would be some moment on this stand where I would say, you can't handle the truth. And it would be kind of this big, you know, uh, Elijah on Mount Carmel. And it was like every time I thought there'd be some kind of, objective thing it never would. But finally a couple of the guys made it to demand that under scripture I would not meet. And I just told them that mm, I would meet mm. this and you just need to know I'm not going anywhere.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: But I would say for a pastor, I mean you, you gotta I mean you gotta just keep wrestling with where the hills will die upon. I mean there are hills to die upon and yet we die a, a ton of deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. There you you gotta you gotta find other good friends around you. They may not be in your church, but there are good, solid guys out there who fear the Lord. Psalm 119, my companions, 63, my companions are those who fear the Lord, those who walk in, in light of his commandments. And God through this has brought me some wonderful pastor friends. Mm-hmm. And it was older men that said, no, Eric, we've been there. You got to keep staying strong.
0: Yeah, so pre- preach the and, word in season, out season. Yeah. Find, find some people that, uh, yeah. that can encourage you, give you perspective yeah. Um, I, I would say, too, uh, you know, getting perspective, clearing your head in yeah. all of this will happen sometimes, like for you, getting away for a season. It was a you used the term for sabbatical, but it was good for you. You came back with a new perspective. And I, I would also encourage pastors, and if leaders are concerned about their pastor, give them a chance to get away for a while, get some help, uh, get some counsel. And, uh, and just get some perspective. Your head needs to clear. Yeah. You know, this is messing with you. It's affecting you. We see yeah. it. And we don't like it. We're committed to you. So I'm speaking here to leaders in the church who are concerned about their pastor, the effect of conflict upon his life, upon his preaching, his sense of call, his family. Because those are oftentimes where um, the the bent impacts, you know, it starts to show. and um, And if... You know, a pastor cannot be a loner. You know, he needs needs encouragement from his leaders as well as others and and to get perspective. Well, Eric, this has been uh, a wonderful conversation, extremely helpful. And uh, thank you so much. You mentioned the book, uh, Antagonists in the Church. We'll make that available on the website as well. Who was that by?
1: By uh, a guy named Kenneth Hauk, H-A-U-C-K, I believe. Um, I've had more... Pastors that have said to me as they've heard about our situation mm-hmm. and, have, and have said to me, Oh, yeah, we went through something much like that. I, I've also learned, Mitch, that um, I just think I, I wish I hope that other guys don't go through major, major conflict with this, but I just tend to believe that this is just kind of the, the path of the church, you know, in this, in this culture today.
0: Well, I see I meet three yeah. kinds of pastors, um, yeah. some that are. They've, they've, they've thrived, and they're stronger because of it, but that's because yeah. they did a lot of things that we're talking about here. Secondly, the second kind is they're just gutting it out, and it's wearing them out. And then the third kind is they've quit. They've left the ministry. Yeah. They're deeply discouraged. Oftentimes, the wife is, is deeply discouraged. The wife takes the brunt of this in a, in a unique way from the husband. Yeah, oftentimes hard to get back in the ministry because of the wife. But sometimes God redirects, you know, this is where we talked earlier about, you know, when the calls threatened, sometimes it'll redirect you. And, and it's not bad if someone realizes that, hey, I'm, uh, you know, we need we need to take a break from vocational ministry, okay. career ministry and and be in ministry somewhere else, you know,
1: well, it wasn't. And I should say that we were open to leaving.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember we talked words, about
1: that. Doors <laughs> kept closing. Yeah.
0: You know, I yeah. They just, uh, uh, just did. So. Yeah. Well, this has been really good. Very helpful, Eric. Appreciate your time. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Lord hey, bless thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this Before You Quit podcast. I'm sure you've been stirred by it, challenged, burdened, maybe even encouraged. I hope you have been. If you have any comments or questions about anything we've talked about today on Before You Quit, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. I'd encourage you also to go to our website, beforeyouquit, www.beforeyouquit.us. And there are many podcasts that will... Uh, be viewed there. And you can also read uh, quite a few blogs that I've written related to uh, many of the subjects that we talk about in these podcasts. And hey, don't forget to go to iTunes or Google Play and leave a five-star review. That would really help us to get the word out. Uh, Thanks so much for doing that. So until next week, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.